Join From Beer to the Bible every week as Irvin Lee and co-host Sarah Oliveira McDonald warn others of the consequences of drug and alcohol addiction by being the voice of faith-based recovery. Every week, Irvin and Sarah help people get access to the treatment and counseling they so desperately need. They explore the depths of addiction and give practical life examples of how to recover and develop a new rhythm of living. The show is gritty, authentic, and simply raw while being rooted in the love, faith, and hope of God. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. Welcome to From Beer to the Bible. I'm your host, Irvin Lee. Super excited. We've got part two with Sarah and Rhonda. Say hi, Sarah. Hi, guys. Hi, Rhonda. Oh, Irvin. And look, hi, we're, good to see you again. We're going to let you get to your teaching and all the things that we didn't get in part two, but I'm so happy because we talked a lot about the Holy Spirit. And Sarah, please start us off with scripture. All right. The verse of the day is 2 Timothy 1, 7. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. That is good. Well, it's, Rhonda, I know you wanted to talk about the spirit of fear. I do. Let's get into it. You know, it. it's prevalent today. Fear, fear, fear. COVID, we come out of COVID. We got these elections coming up and everybody's saying this and that. And oh my goodness. I don't know about you, but it doesn't stir up my joy. Yeah. But what it does stir up is a spirit of fear. Yeah. And what we know from God, he didn't give us the spirit of fear. Now, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, this spirit of fear cannot enter us, but it doesn't mean it can't mess with us. Mm. Okay. So I, I have a list here and, um, this is from Dr. Neil Anderson, his bondage breaker book. Okay. So just, this is how, what the spirit of fear can look like, uh, fear of death, fear of Satan, fear of failure, fear of rejection by people, fear of disapproval, fear of becoming or not becoming, um, sexually challenged, um, fear of financial problems, fear of never getting married, fear of death of a loved one, fear of being hopeless, fear of losing your salvation, fear of having committed the unpardonable sin, fear of not being loved by God, fear of loving or being loved, not being loved by others, fear of embarrassment, Fear of being victimized by a crime, fear of marriage, fear of divorce, fear of going crazy, fear of pain, fear of illness, fear of the future, fear of confrontation, fear of specific individuals. And it goes on and on and on. And so what I want people to recognize is this spirit of fear does not come from God. But the Holy Spirit in you can give you power, love, and a sound mind. So whatever the source is that is causing you fear, one of the most powerful things you can do, say it's a husband and he's causing me fear and he'd be praying for his salvation. Yep. Pray for his salvation. You know what the fight? You know what the fighting brings? It's, it's a cycle. Why not get off that cycle and just pray? And it's such a powerful weapon. It is. And just like earlier, we were doing that whole mindful. Once you start praying for another person, 
the walls break down and you feel better. You mm-hmm. feel better. You're definitely giving them something. You're giving the Lord something. You're praying for somebody else selflessly. And there is so much power in that. And, and so, miracles happen in that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and the self-control and self-discipline you have when you don't engage, it's power. When you can restrain, when you can just give that to God and say, Lord, I've been around this circle a thousand times. I'm powerless, but you have all the power. You can change him. And, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be in your house. You could pray. Oh, Lord, over every unbeliever, may they come to you. May, may they know your salvation. That's how much power we have. Why, why do we sit in that fear and turn it over in our minds again and again, knowing what you just said? Most of us know that scripture, pray that scripture and have memorized that scripture, but we're, we tend to be very poor at the application of that scripture. Why is that? Well, it's kind of like the uh, official that came to Jesus and said, my son has demons the evil spirit and that demon will throw him in the fire and make convulsions and, and, and all this is happening. And if you can, would you heal him? Jesus said, what do you mean if I can't? And he casts out the demon, right? And, and mind you, the other disciples had been there and they couldn't get it out. He casts out the demon and, and the, what the man had said to Jesus was, I believe that you can, but help me with my unbelief. Mm-hmm. So when you're not experiencing healing, peace of mind, seeing deliverance in yourself, in other people, deal with that unbelief. Because that is the part of you that is squelching the spirit. However, Jesus did do that miracle. Despite our unbelief, there's other scripture that says he had to leave. He didn't do any more miracles because the people didn't believe. So rather than grow your unbelief, a prayer could be increase my faith, increase my faith. The idea behind that demon was Jesus said this one, can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. Now, fasting looks different for people. So if you are someone with an eating disorder, I'm not telling you to fast. Perhaps you'll fast your eating disorder and eat something healthy every couple of hours and give up that control and see that when you do, it doesn't kill you. You probably feel better and anything that's binding you is lifted, right? If it's alcohol, fast the alcohol. I'm not telling you just, you know, don't, you don't have to fully give it up. Just fast it for a day and notice. Is your day better? Did you have a sound mind? Were you more peaceful? I was. But I had the craving. Did you pray about that craving? Did you give it to the Lord? Did you tell him? Take it away. 
make me repulsed at alcohol. He'll be faithful to you when you start to fully believe. But you will notice one thing. You didn't die because you didn't have alcohol. Mm-hmm. And then I think a lot of the fear uh, goes to what you were saying in the first episode, um, which was the self-will. You know, he gives us self-will and we like to do things our way, you know, and we don't, we don't do the listening part. We might pray about this fear of whatever the list goes on. You just read it, but do we fully allow him to work in and through us? Probably not because we think that we can do it better. So we always intercede and get in our own way. It was my experience that until I humbly came before the Lord and laid it at the cross, like I would give it up a million times, did those, those prayers that we talk about. Um, but it wasn't until I humbly gave my whole self to him and said, I can't, you can, Mm -hmm. that he did. Absolutely. Humility. I have, I have two thoughts and, uh, I'd like you guys to chime in on this is knowledge and belief and the impact that trust has on my knowledge of God and my belief in God. And I believed in God and I had, I had this knowledge of God in my head, not necessarily in my heart, but I I knew who he was. But when it came down to me and my alcoholism, it took a long time before I believed that he could heal me, that he was willing. And when I believe that, then the trust had to come. Now I have to trust you that although you're not going to touch me and heal me immediately, that you're going to take me through this process, right? And through that process, all three of those lined up my knowledge in God, my belief in God, and my trust in God. And I, I feel like as I watch people who deal with addictions, that is one of the missing parts of the equation, having all three of those lined up. And on the flip side of that, because you came and I came into this being a Christian, I see so many people in 12-step programs who don't know the Lord, but can get to the same place through the steps Mm -hmm. and end up believing in Jesus Christ Mm -hmm. through that simple method. And so they don't have the knowledge, but they have, come to a place of desperation and they are willing to do anything and go to any lengths to get there. And through the 12 steps, Jesus restores them even to their own belief in him. I think that's beautiful because a lot of people think that, you know, I'm a Christian, so I'm going to get this more than you. It's not true. It isn't true. And here's the beauty of having an eternal perspective. Yeah. You see, there's something called election. People like to argue about it, but God has a plan. He has an eternal plan. He knows the beginning from the end. And part of what the scriptures tell us is he has predestined people. I don't know who it is yeah. that's saved. So I am kind to everybody. I share the gospel with everybody. And even if somebody says, I know the Lord, but thank you. I don't know who is, but when people join AA and the Lord's bringing them out of their alcoholism and, and we think, oh, they came to know him at the end. The Holy Spirit was drawing them. Yep. Drawing them. You know, they were already chosen by God and yeah. they come to this point of surrender. 
but what the Lord did for them, throwing up in the gutter, walking home, you know, the walk of shame. Man, people know what I'm talking about. You know, all that stuff. The Lord, the Holy Spirit was drawing you. And people had this idea, oh, he was doing that to me. No, he didn't. He was doing it for you. Uh That's what it took to get your attention. But going from belief, this is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing about trauma work. Mm -hmm. Your beliefs can be changed. And the thing that is binding you to alcohol, there is something you believe about yourself. I am, I am not lovable. I'm damaged goods. I'm not good enough. But with work, with the Holy Spirit working in you and through you and with God-fearing community around you, yep. changes your belief. Yeah, and I see that with chronic relapsers is that shame is what, get, what gets them back out every single time. They might do the things, do the steps, do the church, do the prayers, but that shame, that that's spiritual warfare. That's the evil one just whispering in their ear, but you're never going to be good enough. Yeah. And that's a lie. And this is where the church needs to start teaching and preaching. You don't have to believe those lies. You don't have to listen. You know, what, what did Jesus say when Peter said something to him? Uh, oh, I'll never let them kill you. All. You'll never go to. And he said, get thee behind me, Satan. Yeah. He knew his purpose. Get thee behind me, Satan. Get out of here. I don't even want to talk. The Lord himself rebukes you. Get away. I'm not listening to. Li-. That's a lie. And so that's a part mm-hmm. of these deceiving spirits. They're lying. They're mm-hmm. lying. And you know they're lying. Yeah talking to a young girl and she hit the sack with some kid and I said did he say if you love me you do it and she went like that I girl that's the oldest line in the book <laughs> <laughs> right and yeah. the, why aren't mothers telling him uh-huh. because they're hitting the sack too yeah all right so if that came out of the pulpit woof and I tell you this is I, I'll never really be invited in a crowd because I can clear a room and nothing flat but this is what we have to tell our children. Yeah. That is a lie. That is a lie. You know what? God chose you before you chose him. He chose you. Yep. He loves you. Christ died for you. He calls you friend. So when you're, when you're thinking, ah, I'm a disgrace. I'm so shameful. Oh, if anybody ever knew me. He knows you. And you are his masterpiece. You have been adopted into the royal family. Yeah. It's different. It's different when you believe that. You walk in a room, people look at your presence. I know. I am the king's daughter. You know, I got two awards in my life. One of the awards was from kind of my mentor. I was the first secretary at Bel Air Press for the Urban Ministries Department and, and my boss there. She gave me an award called Love in Action. And part mm-hmm. of it says... She, she she just thinks of herself as one of the, I saw no difference between the ladies in the mission, but by the grace of God, yeah. it wasn't me. Yeah. Humility. Yep. Humility. Yeah. You, talk about pride, because pride, pride impacts our healing greatly. There's two things that I noticed. Um, 
pride impacts our healing. Um, and then impatience impacts our faith. Mm. Uh, talk about that a little bit. Well, when you look at the origins of pride, so Satan thought, Lucifer thought he was God. Yeah. <laughs> he wanted to be God and he was cast out of heaven. And so that would be what we call the devil. But see, this is like spiritual talk. So people, oh, the devil. But for any believers that read the Bible and you hear, you see the devil all, you know, all over the place, yeah. <laughs> right? Well, he wanted to be God. That's like the ultimate pride. C.S. Lewis said, that is the sin of sin of every man, pride. Okay. So like whatever our issues are, when we keep saying shame and stuff, the, the root of it is pride that we have been um, brought down low by someone or something. And we carry this shame. It's dealing with pride. So when we get rid of our pride and say, Lord, before you, I am unworthy. Not before man. You see, we get a little mixed up with our standards here. <laughs> you know, I, I, there, there's nothing in my life that can say measure up to me. Yeah. Don't. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm a sinner saved by grace, but I, I, I sin less. Yeah. But I still sin mm -hmm. until I'm perfected when I see Jesus. But... Look at pride. Look at it. Look at it in the church today. You know what you hear this talk about? A lot of narcissistic, sociopathic pastors. What spirit's behind that? Pride and ego. Shame. All of right? the things. But that is not, not the Lord. The agent of the Lord who's supposed to be rightly dividing the word for people. Yeah. So the church, you know, and, and then there's the people that go in there and they're nothing but hypocrites. Yeah, we're nothing but sinners. We're the sickest people ever, but we're seeking the Lord. Yeah. That's the difference. That's the difference. That's the difference. That's it. And so I don't present my, as holier than anybody. I'm not. I am just, you know, I tell my family, I'm going to get to heaven and, with the smoke coming on, saved but singed. Yeah. You know, I mean, just yeah. really. And that's good. Yeah. That's good. Because I am counting on the Lord wherever he takes me, the ups, the downs. I have to let go of my pride. Now, there is a period of everything when something happens. Um, you have to work out your flesh. So sometimes Christians seem like really holy and they tell you stories. And it's like, oh, I wasn't even touched by it because the Lord... It's not true. When I had two miscarriages, I was so sad and broken. But I did my battling on my knees, and I couldn't believe it. I took my unbelief to the Lord like, God, I didn't do that. You know, I thought. And then, like I, I think I told you, one Thanksgiving I'm miscarrying. The next Thanksgiving I have my son. Yeah. And then later I have my daughter. And this is the Lord. He gives and he takes away. It's his right. And pride doesn't understand that. Not at all. Okay? Yeah. He yeah. Does, and so this is it. And listen, it comes through suffering. So one time, you remember 2008, the financial crash, and my husband's in the mortgage industry. So, of course, it hits us for financially devastated, like a lot of people in the, in the mortgage industry, right? And I was, I was mad. I was so mad. I was mad at him. I was trying to blame him. 
He doesn't run the mortgage industry. He just yeah. works in it, you know. But I got on my knees, and the Lord just whispers to me, you may not divorce your husband for financial reasons. That's what the world does. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. that's good. Holy Spirit's Yeah. Oh, man. You get, the, you get those spankings, right? right? But I, I love the transparency that you got on your face in front of the Lord. And I tell people, and honestly, I struggle with this a lot early on in my walk and in my sobriety, is that I had these places that where I repressed stuff, right? And then the Lord's like, oh, no, 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 we have to deal with that. And actually this morning before uh, I was out on a hike walking and talking with the Lord, and the Lord's like, uh, that one thing that you kind of kept, we got to deal with that today. Yeah. And I was like, no, because it hurts. Because it was going to bring back scars and trauma that happened to me 30 years ago. And I did like Jacob. I just wrestled with the Lord. And you said something earlier, and I said that to the Lord. I said, why would that have to happen to a person? And he answered it. And I had peace. And I feel like now for the first time, that's something that happened maybe 30 years ago that I released it. And I'm not mad, upset at the people or God about it. But it was something that I was just kind of holding on to. And so talk to everyone about how when the Lord, we get with the Lord, the Lord wants you whole. Mm -hmm. And a part of you being whole is he's got to deal with that stuff that we've oppressed. Oh, yeah. An example is the temple. Right, and these real high holy men were in the temple, mm -hmm. but they kept all their idols and stuff yeah. in the rooms of the temple. Yeah. Well, that's what we do. We are the temple of God. Don't you know <laughs> that you have been bought with them? your body? You, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. He's cleaning the house. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I'm not talking about a little dusting here and there. No. No. Mm -mm. A little power washing. Yeah. And the more mature we get in our walk, the quicker we are to let it go. But we are flesh. We hold on to that because we like our pain. We identify with our pain. But Jesus wants us to identify with him. And so the only reason these things happen, that he allows it, right? Where they say, why is that little boy blind? Who sinned? His mom and dad? What? What? For the glory of God. So when we get to that place, when we release it, the next step is to find somebody mm -hmm. who experienced the same thing Love them to Christ. I know what you're going through. I've been there. I have my own experience. And though I cannot know your feelings, I know the experience. I can walk with you without judgment. Because one thing I know for sure, the reason we go through this yeah. It's to comfort others the way God comfort us through it. Mm. Boom. Ooh, I, I, I love that. I'm going to ask a question, and we, we've got about five minutes or so left. Talk about those who are in their active addiction. You know, they teach us in counseling that the addict and alcoholic is controlled by a hundred forms of fear. Mm -hmm. And as you were reading your list, I was sitting here going, let me just check off how many of those I felt and experienced. I'm not ashamed to say, say that I think I checked off 100% of the ones that you read were fears that I dealt with. And I'm still 
figuring out fear comes fear and then how to push it out with the spirit and not entertain the enemy in the battlefield of my mind. So as we close, talk to our women and single mothers out there about dealing with the spirit of fear practically. Practically. You get in the garden of Gethsemane like Jesus did, who was so distressed. He cried tears of blood, He's sweating tears of blood. You get on your knees, and you give it to the Lord. You know what Jesus said three times? God, if this cup can pass, come on. Yeah. God, if this cup can pass, if it can pass, not my will, your will, that's where the glory comes. So it's the working out your foot. Remember, Jesus was fully man and fully God. But you see right there in the, and guess, he was working his flesh out. The flesh that was just about to die. And the blood that was just about to be shed for the forgiveness of our sin. He knew what he had to do. You know what you have to do in your life. You know what you have to do. I know as a wife, a mother, a woman, a born-again Christian, I know what I have to do. I work my flesh out. I worked it out before I came here. And then we just go forward, not in perfection, in the power of the Lord. Anything I say, I expect the Holy Spirit to perfect it, to pierce hearts, to change even one. Done. Done. Peace. That's good. Add on to that, Sarah. I was just going to say, don't let fear cripple you because... There's people that recognize their fear, um, but they just stay stuck in it. They don't take action. Take mm -hmm. action. That's what I'm telling you to do. Take action. Like Rhonda said, take action. If it's the simple thing of getting on your knees and, and praying before the Lord and giving it all to him, take the action to do that. Uh, like I said earlier, take the action and get into community, whether it's uh, calling a spiritual advisor, another woman of faith, uh, somebody in your 12-step fellowship, uh, a counselor, call a therapist, whoever you feel comfortable with, share it with another person. Because again, doesn't give that fear power. And once you take that power away, you're more at ease to take the next step and to take the next step. And then guess what? You look in the mirror one day and you're healed, but guess what? You're still going to have suffering. And I was, when I was, when you were talking, I was gonna, I was thinking, I was like, I sit here and I'm like, why me, God? I've done this, that, check off the boxes. I'm not, I don't have fear of this anymore. I trust you with everything. I come to you with everything. I, 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 again, yeah. is me being selfish. Yeah. Um, when I need to take action and say, what do I need to do to make this better? What do I still need to work on? Where, you know, where do I need to dig? Like you were saying, Irvin, what work have I not done in inside of me that is still allowing some of the suffering to happen, right? And the closer we get to that, the more abundance he gives us. The promises start happening. Um, so the simple steps of, of the 12 steps gets you to a place of, of recovery and 
you know, no cravings, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to suffer anymore because Mm -hmm. he's still working through us and in us until the day that we die. And if you look at that as a blessing instead of a curse, you will start getting the fruits of the spirit out of it and the grace and the humility and be able to minister to others and serve others. And then you're not selfish anymore because you're giving, you know, yesterday on my birthday, I didn't want anything. I had somebody approach me in a parking lot and said, Hey, I'm here to uh, collect money for cancer. This is this boy's story. I said, I don't even care. And God knew I had $20 in my pocket, you know, here you go. That made me feel better serving at my child's event last night. That made me feel good. That's what the Lord wants us to do. When we get into our selfishness is when the the evil starts to come in, you know, and we have to give that up. We have to give it all up and lay it all at the cross Mm. and take action. Uh, Well, amen to that. Rhonda, I'm going to put you on the spot. Where can they reach you and find you when and if they need help? Easiest way is just go to my webpage, rondakimballlpc.com. And it gives all my contact information. And Rhonda doesn't have an H in it. People in Texas are generous. They like to put an H in my name. R-O-N-D-A-K-I-M-B-A-L-L-L-P-C.com. Okay. And all my info's there. Okay. Well, thank you for blessing us again. And I have to say thank you to Sarah. Sarah came in and lo and behold, the Lord blessed me with a co-host and she's been my partner in this a long time. And I I couldn't have made it without you. So I want to say thank you and happy birthday to you again. It's been fun. Um, And then I want to talk to our viewers and I want to talk specifically right now to our women. God has shown you two women who love the Lord and who are led and prompted and have the Holy Spirit who dwells in them and works in and through them. He's working in and through them today for you, for your good. And he's saying to you, if you are struggling, if you have a problem, surrender, take a step of faith and contact us at From Beer to the Bible. You also have Rhonda's contact information. Heed the words, the warnings, and the prompting of the Holy Spirit today and reach out and get the help you need. God loves you. We love you. And he's shown you what he can do through Rhonda and through Sarah. May God richly bless you. Thank you for tuning in to this week's From Beer to the Bible. Make sure to tune in next week when Irvin and Sarah gift you with even more addiction recovery information. Make sure to like, share, and subscribe. You can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And remember, we're always there for you.